0: Hello, my little heart, soul, humans. Thank you for tuning back in for another week of debauchery and wisdom. So this week, we're going to be talking about the concepts of what it means to be too much versus not enough and how we perceive these qualities within ourselves. This leads us to a little bit of shop talk about our own lives and this concept of what we attract in partners and trying to develop the qualities and emulate the qualities that we see in other people. Which leads us to the concept of what we admire in other people actually being these qualities that we are meant to develop within ourselves. So a little bit of, again, self-reflection, self-knowledge, like we're always getting about in this podcast. Somehow, and Neil and I have no idea how this happened, we ended up talking about like the practice of establishing boundaries. So enjoy that one as a little bit of a bonus, like that little happy birthday cupcake you get at a restaurant when people clap for you. And then finally, we circled it again, all the way back around to being too much versus being not enough and really it being two sides of the same coin and ultimately being a matter of perspective and how to rise above that. If you guys like this podcast, as Neil says at the end of this, please like it, please share it with people that you care about. And also, I wanted to just open up the floor real quick and let everybody know that from July 22nd through july 30th this is how my life works i will be off of work and would love to offer five readings for folks during that time so if you would like a reading from me please scroll down through the show notes and either find me on instagram or find my email and reach out to me and i'd love to work with you thank you guys
1: not starting this episode by singing together or attempting to
0: no but we did sing off off the recording so that's yeah. good and it's always always just doesn't work we were singing 50 cent and uh neil tried to throw what some fucking jazz hands at me <laughs> wait what did we sing what Was 50 cent shake that ass oh
1: yeah okay all right yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> 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 oh yeah that you're ass. right we did and do you, that and you threw jazz hands at me and i was like what are you doing with jazz hands in the middle of this <laughs> song and I won't say what was actually happening. <laughs> Let's just say it Let's wasn't just leave us the hands.
1: imagination. <laughs> Everyone's listening knows us, so you can come up with whatever rational understanding of that that you think, and it's probably true. It's
0: probably true. I, I just realized right now, one of your gestures is like guru hand right here, where you like you do this. I mean, nobody who's listening can see it, but I'm demonstrating. Oh, for I you. do. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's very like yeah, like just throw something up the air and then just slowly bring my hand down. It's like the, yeah, that is you, one of my gestures. Yeah, it's definitely like a guru thing. I can't really figure exactly what it is. It's just kind of like when somebody says something that's totally like worldly and ego-based and you're like, "Jai, get the fuck out of here with that shit!"
1: Out of here, and then slowly bring my hand hand down as I start to just bring the energy down and center I'm just you. Fucking blessing them, align you. <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you I didn't know this until about a year ago? Um, I was attuned to energy by a monk when I was like three years old. had no idea. No, I don't think you told me. I that. thought my first attunement was when I was learning Reiki. No, I was like three sitting on like this monk's lap and he was, and he just told me like a few years ago, like, yeah, like I attuned you to energy when you're a little kid. I'm like, oh, oh, well, well, okay. shit. <laughs> did you get my oh. consent? Nope. But on a soul level, he did apparently. So he did. Yeah, I'm sure he knew you know stuff i'm here to fuck shit up so you got to support that (laughs) (laughs) just like that uh that that car i saw on the way over here that i told you about bro did
0: that story i was like oh my god yeah Hmm. karen of karen's (laughs) yeah it was a very karen move right just like to be flipping people off out of your car and then honking at somebody seconds later
1: tailgating him
0: two different cars i'm like dude
1: like something
0: you need a hug (laughs) it's not coming from me. No, definitely not. Yeah. Something must be going either terribly wrong in your life right now, or you are just like a whirlwind of anger and Mm -hmm. making your problems, everybody else's problems. And the part that's extra funny, I would expect that. So basically this person was like
1: flipping the bird to somebody. And then like 30 seconds later, this person was like just grinding their horn on somebody and then decided to tailgate him right after, um, grinding their horn on somebody, (laughs) We started singing that song, I'm just thinking about grinding Now,
0: <laughs> they were
1: grinding on their Horn, hammering on their horn That's the better word It was bad. ESL, yeah, English is my second language So, <laughs> yeah, whatever. we'll blame it on that like
0: You haven't been speaking English English is my second language, life.
1: I've had multiple Concussions, if I had one more, it could Potentially kill me, I, have I whole, haven't had whole whole my game coffee I can't today. remember, <laughs> I have Had my coffee, so that's one less excuse <laughs> But whatever Alright uh. But the funny thing was I'd expect that person to have been in the fast lane. She was in the slow lane, which then also actually can kind of justify it and make that much more sense thinking of this person.
0: Like very guard. cautious, very guarded. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause what you had said, like you, the, the way the order you told me, the story was like, she flipped somebody off. She had like barely rolled her window down, like just got her arm out the window, flipped somebody off. And you like drove up to peek in the car and the person had a mask on by themselves in their own car. Mm -hmm. and immediately I was like, oh, this is a guarded person They use anger Mm -hmm. to protect themselves. They push people away, fear and anger. And then you talked about honking and like tailgating somebody. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this person is just like rejecting life all around her. Mm -hmm. And you can see it, right? Like the part where I really see,
1: see that the most, the after I just after I saw the mask and I kind of understood the situation a bit more was like her just enough room for her hand to come out the window. Right. So it's still very protected, but like just Mm -hmm. enough to kind of be like, Hey, fuck off. Right. Like, yeah, uh, that explains the entire shell
0: and anger and the emotions behind it all. But just interacting with the world just enough to let it know that fuck you. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, right. man. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, funny moment. Do you have any stories for today? Hmm.
0: Before we get into the subject, Azure. This uh, subject, yeah, this one is not nearly as like interesting or funny, but I, I was, uh, I was in a sports clinic this week and I was just, you know, talking to patients about their joint pain and like doing physical exams and stuff like that. Uh, and I was talking to this lady about some hip pain that was radiating down to her foot and blah, 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 and talking, talking to her. And my attending had asked me to do a physical exam. And I was like, sure. You know, so I could tell the patient was a little guarded with me and I was like, okay, you know. Um, she had been talking about like this hip pain and I was trying to like clarify because she had told me two different stories. I was trying to clarify, like, does it go to here or does it go down to here? And I was like, is it, do I have like permission to, to like touch you? And I'd never, I don't really ask patients that usually I just go here real quick, if you mind. And I just like, you know, touch them. And usually they're like, I don't give a shit. Right. But she was so like guarded and uncomfortable. And I was like, do you mind if I touch you? She was like, yeah, okay. And I was like, okay, interesting. All right. So I just like demonstrated to get, to get clarity. And then a few minutes later, it was time to do the physical exam. I'd finished my history. I was like, all right, um, if you don't mind having a seat on the table, I'd like to do a physical exam to kind of hone in on your symptoms. And I could tell that she like, just her energy like pulled back. And I was like, or we can wait until my attending comes into the room. And she was like, yeah, I want the real doctor to do it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, that's fine. You know, I, I, I got it. Like there are some people that are like that. It's Okay. Um, it's not about me, but it was definitely just that I was reminded of the guardedness from your story.
1: Yeah. I, and that's rare too, right? Like when people say like, oh, I want the, like the real doctor, like usually people are actually more open to the resident or the, you know, the student and whatever. Um, and I'm thinking about my old times in therapy. Cause that used to be actually when I was interning in grad school, And one of the things that I was just like worried to say and like, you know, like, Hey, just like in full informed consent in the very beginning in the first session, like, Hey, I am a student intern and, um, you know, talking about what that means. And I was always nervous for that part and more so than anything else. Everyone's like, they could, everyone could care a fucking less.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Most people don't care at all. Yeah. They don't at all. Some people, some people are like a little like, "Mm, okay. Like they feel like you're wasting their time. Some people don't want to talk to you at all if you're a student or interact with you at all if you're a student, and they'll usually have a door sign that says "no students." <laughs> mm-hmm. And then some people love having students work with That's
1: them. The part I was right. up too.
0: yeah, there yeah. are some people who were like, "Oh man, like I I love working with students. You guys bring like such a youthful energy and blah blah blah, and like you know I really want to be a part of helping the future doctors of the world get their training, and you know they feel like they're contributing. To society by like allowing a student to work with them. And I guess like in some way they are right. Like they're mm-hmm. doing they their very little part. It's like, for them, it takes no effort to yeah. make some kind of impact. Yeah. It's, it's,
1: it really helps us to be able to grow and to help more people. But at the same time, I also see, you know, there, there's stuff where we don't have like the working wisdom of little things we've picked up along the way in the career. Right. Mm-hmm. But at that point, one of the things that you do get work from a student, this is actually something that one of the clients pointed out to me was like, we aren't burnt out. We aren't jaded. We typically will care more and we're, we're more invested than someone who's, you know, Grinded through however many years and has had to see however x many patients that day, whereas like you know we're a bit more reserved, so we can be fully there and fully invested, and we also have the absolute latest uh, education. So mm-hmm. there
0: there's some major perks there as well. Yeah, yeah, there are. I mean, the thing that I usually think of is that like a student will be more thorough, generally mm-hmm. speaking. But on the other side of that coin is that students often don't know how to interpret the findings that they're getting, mm-hmm. right? So like you might do a bunch of extra physical exam things that like you don't actually need to do because there's no way it's the things that you're testing for. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're just trying to remember like, okay, you know, over the course of the year I've done like X number of physical exams and like each physical exam is different. Like for example, if I'm doing a physical exam on a hip, like I don't do that in most fields of medicine, Mm -hmm. but I've done like a thousand heart and lung exams, you know, already or whatever. Um, So it it takes some, it takes some seconds to remember like, okay, this is what each specific test I'm doing on the hip is testing for. So I'm just going to run through all of them and then I'll interpret the findings later. I'll just put all the data in a bag and then look at it, you know?
1: And the nice thing too, is you also get the consultation that we go through. So you're working with us. And then when we're looking at all those examinations and everything we're getting out of the assessments, you're also getting my supervisor's person, my, mm-hmm. you know, the person who's just under my supervisor's also working with me, the rest of my team's input and like all this other stuff. So there's a lot of eyes on it too, which is also really beneficial.
0: Exactly. So, and sometimes like students and uh, especially, in you know, a residence will catch things that attendings don't. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that there's like, I mean, attendings are obviously like wizards. They just have so much shit going on that. Yeah. um Over, I mean, if you do like for any, for everybody out there, imagine anything that you've done for two and a half plus decades or something like that, you build what are called heuristics. You build Mm -hmm. shortcuts and patterns and it can be, it can actually create an unconscious bias of like, Mm -hmm. if something is only slightly out of the ordinary, but everything else matches a specific pattern. You'll create what's called an anchoring bias. Like from the start, you're thinking, "Oh, this matches this particular pattern. This is my heuristic or my macro for this particular disease." And anything else outside of it, like if it's really outside of the norm, I'll be like, "Okay, I'm going to look at it." But for a lot of things, like oh, that little thing, whatever, that could that could be nothing, or that could be something different, or blah blah blah. Um, and there there can be a tendency to overlook, or especially if you're the only if you're the attending and you don't have a student with you doing an unnecessarily thorough exam you'll listen to the history and most of the diagnosis of anything should be made through a history. And like the mm-hmm. tests should just confirm your suspicions and your physical exam should confirm your suspicions, but you're getting this history and you go like, Oh, this must be this or this or this. And I'm only going to do physical exam things that will differentiate that. this thing from everything yeah. else. Like I'll find the one physical exam or two physical exam tests with the combined sensitivity and specificity that will pull that diagnosis out of the, out of the dirt right? It's that kind of thing. So you might overlook something.
1: Yeah. And I'm also just going to stop that and blow blow to your own horn because you definitely caught a lot of shit too. So you also are one of those awesome attendants. Oh, thanks bud. Yeah. Love you. (laughs) Love you. DSD.
0: And the mystery continues. Oh, the mystery
1: will continue on that one too. No one gets to know what that is. Uh And if you get a correct guess, I'm going to give
0: you a really big hug. (laughs) that's all (laughs) that's it oh but anyways so the subject today which is like is gonna seem like such a stark difference from what we've been talking about (laughs) (laughs) but it's this concept of um it's it's something that i brought up really briefly apparently in the last episode that we had dropped with uh, me and sierra one of our friends went back and listened to it recently and texted me that this concept that I'm about to bring up and realize that I had mentioned it in passing in the episode, but you know, didn't really flesh it out that much. And it's the concept of feeling like too much versus feeling like not enough. So I wanted to just say that, open it up and see what you, what your thoughts are on it first. Cause that is how we operate. Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I will share my own personal experience with it and let that be fleshed out let that take it where it's supposed to because that's mm-hmm. how we operate we we all know my my thing is my self-worth that that's been my story through this lifetime um but one of the things i found very interesting um were like basically all the partners i've had every girl i've dated at the same time despite m- me feeling like i'm not enough <laughs> that's what i drew in a woman who felt the same way a girl who felt the same way and consequentially i was too much for them i was too mr perfect i was like the perfect guy that you can marry who's good at all these things and has all these aspirations and does this this and this and they always just felt like i'm just this person
0: they didn't have the the self-esteem framework to be able to hold up a relationship like that Mm -hmm. like the bookshelf wasn't built well enough to hold all the books essentially Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah and then tying into one of the things you and i were talking about earlier off air was like i part of the thing i always looked for at the same time was a woman who was strong that that's what i always desired and in a in a partner so there are always these girls who were well, i'll just say shell strong <laughs> look strong from the outside doing all these things but then had just a lot of self-worth issues along the way that's why you
0: date women that look like me huh <laughs> cakes baby <laughs> cakes <laughs> With a little side of vanilla sweet cream. Dang, vanilla sweet cream life. cakes.
1: <laughs> damn, she, told you she looks that. like
0: Zach. Yeah, I'm about to go get a number. Yeah, I'm going to go, <laughs> go bite them cheeks. <laughs> I, I worked at this. Uh, I worked at many restaurants, but there was uh, one chef, Miguel, and he would call me white boy ala mode. He'd be like, damn, my favorite snack. Just walked in. White boy a la mode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining
1: you walking in, I don't remember which Katy Perry music video it is, but I I'm oh, imagining no. you walking in with just whipped cream all over your nipples and little cherries on him, and I'm just seeing a
0: white boy a la mode. Don't make me do it. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. <laughs> One day. Oh, man. That's and you funny. will slightly be happy to do it. So, <laughs> yeah, Probably. I'm actually like, I'm thinking this whole time I've been thinking of an excuse to do that. I'm like, what event could I <laughs> could I do that for? (laughs) Let me DSD it. There we go. That's that's the move, but with a banana. So you had talked about like the the wanting wanting a strong partner and like kind of attracting this this shell of strength. And you would also I'm kind of pulling I'm pulling on the string here, Mm -hmm. like pulling on the string of handkerchiefs. You had also talked about attracting to you somebody else with like a reciprocal diminished self worth. Did you feel like you were also putting on a shell of strength? Like, do you feel like you were also demonstrating some, some pseudo strength? Yeah. Um,
1: unintentionally,
0: right? Like the place I was operating from
1: was of a low self-worth. So a lot of the driving factors between these things that I was doing in my life was needing to prove myself, right? All these different things were just giving me some sense of self and some self-esteem and some confidence in one way or another. So there was, yeah, I still at the same time, despite all these things that are shiny on the outside, so similar thing with our stories, um, it was still flawed uh, at its core. And that's exactly what I brought back in something that was shiny on the outside. And I don't want to call them flawed, but like,
0: you know, it was a little hollow on the inside. You know, this is reminding me of conversation I had with one of my buddies. I think I'd actually been doing a reading for him during this particular conversation that we were having. Mm-hmm. And he was in like this long-term relationship and it was a kind of like, will they, won't they stay together kind of thing. And one of these problems that he continued to have throughout his relationship and continues to have in in more subtle ways is in like an envy or a jealousy of his partners. I would say envy, like an envy of their life and envy of their qualities. Um, and this, um, this low self-esteem and you wouldn't know this by looking at the guy because he he does not look like somebody who should have low self-esteem by any means uh, from, you know, looking at his life or looking at him as a person, but this low self-esteem of like one, you know, I am envious of the qualities of this partner. Like why can they just like do this and everything seems so easy for them in this regard. And also like, will I ever find somebody who can do that again? Or am I, am I basically like, a fraud and kind of tricking this person into being with me, even after all these years. And one of the things that came up during the reading was essentially this desire to attract people into our lives who have qualities that we admire because we feel like we'll we'll absorb those qualities from them via like osmosis, you know, or like spiritual osmosis of like, I noticed this a lot in my relationships as well, not my not my partnerships as much as like my friendships of like hanging out with a lot of dudes who you would consider like really alpha or something mm-hmm. like that. And like always having these friends who were like tall and good looking and, you know, like very attractive and good athletes and very intelligent and blah, blah, blah. And kind of almost hoping that I would have, I would like be surrounded in their aura and be seen mm-hmm. that way as well. Right. Right. Um, So I'm wondering how much of that was arising for you in this, where it was like attracting to you a partner or a woman that you felt was like really strong and capable and blah, 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 to try and like, I don't know, take that armor and put it on yourself.
1: Yeah, this is actually something I think I sent you a message about this the other day. Um, One of the things I had realized recently was, we're going to learn about Neil here. I used to love older women when I was like in my mid twenties. I used to was, I still do. Okay. We know, we know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but that was a younger me. More recently, I've been really attracted to younger women and whenever like brightness, this vitality, the energy. And one of the things I had realized was, Oh shit that's just what I'm craving and missing within myself. There was that like the last few months where I was telling you, like I really needed to focus on my feminine and nurture that energy. And it was the same thing. There was this part of me that needed to be met by myself. And instead I was just so turned on by it, by anyone who had it in the external world because that was the easiest way, you know, especially as an empath, right? To be able to like absorb it and get some of it myself when I needed to cultivate that myself. But when it comes to partners, there were two ends to this, um, right? There was me attracting in this part of me because I, I was ne- I was Mr. Nice Guy too, right? So I lacked that strength and backbone and integrity and, you know, whatever it is, the level of independence, But at the same time, um, on even the opposite end of this, one of the things that I noticed in past relationships and just in my own social groups, I like being the big dog. And I've surrounded like many times in my past with people that I don't feel threatened by in terms of like, oh, they're better than me. They're, you know, the alphas. They're like those sort of guys, it was people that I could just like, without sounding egoic in any sort of way, just feel like I'm I'm just, you know, right there with them, not these people who I view as better than me trying to, you know, become more like them. One of the things I shared with you recently was, right, I want to get myself into some new circles where people who are significantly better than me in all assets, because they have aspects, because they... Are more intelligent because they have had success because they have gone through these different things have become this person and I want to be able to learn from these these people.
0: So there was a bit. It's it's both for me. Interesting. I've I've written down multiple things since you started talking here because there's a lot lot of good stuff that you just Mm -hmm. like laid on the table that we can unpack. Um, I'll work backwards, I guess. So you talked about bringing in people who are either from a from a perception like. You know, slightly beneath you, right? Like you were kind right. of the you were the alpha of their group, or bringing in people who you saw as like directly on your level, right? This mm-hmm. this desire for camaraderie and brotherhood, and being able to move through challenges together as a bunch of equals. Right. What I noticed is like I was kind of reflecting on my own patterns with this because I wouldn't always just hang out with people that I thought were like better than me at these certain qualities. Mm-hmm. I would also hang out with some people who I thought, I mean, maybe not thought, but like you could say. Like I was that to them, you know, mm. and really what was happening the whole time was like, I was connecting to the people beneath right. the, you know, whatever, beneath the ship, beneath the facade. Cause I genuinely loved these people and yeah. really like still love these people. Um, there's, yeah. I'm still friends with most of them.
1: I, I just feel exact same way.
0: So, and, uh, but what I noticed is that that perception brought different qualities out of me, mm. right? Like I, I realized that different, Skills and qualities would be brought out of me when I was with a, a bunch of people who I was like the alpha of their group, versus when I was not the alpha of the group, it would bring out certain other qualities from me, more like supporting yeah. role qualities, right? More of the humor, more of the gesture. Um, at, a, at a younger age, when I felt that I needed to fill space rather than just kind of like let, you know, be, be yeah. in my own space, right? Uh, so that was kind of one thing that I, that I wanted to like speak on real quick. Um, you had talked about like the, you know, being attracted to people who are older. Right. And especially at a younger age, having that attraction and before in, uh, I guess when you look at the phenomenon of being attracted to older people, be it like a younger guy dating an older woman, like a, you know, a quote unquote cougar or a milf or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Or a younger girl dating an older man. Like we call that like daddy issues or some shit like that, right. but really like all of it comes down to something that we feel we didn't fundamentally get from our parental relationship. Mm-hmm. And this almost like subversive um, desire and, and means of seeking closure and reparation in those relationships. And so, I mean, we all, we're all all aware of that. That's not like a, an epiphany or anything. But the thing that was coming up for me when I was thinking about this is like, if if we repair the relationship with our parents actually directly with our parents, or we just actually come to terms with it through therapy or through talking to friends or through psychedelics or whatever means meditation, whatever means you use. Right. Do we still have that attraction? Do we still want to draw that to us? You know? Um, And what do you think about that? What do I think about that? Uh, Do we? You know, I think that we can still find people physically attractive, but I think the actual desire for that is Changes. not there. Right. Like, cause I know that I also like, as in a, a guy in my young twenties found, you know, like, you know, slightly older women attractive. Um, and whenever I would like flirt with an older woman, I always felt like a sense of, I don't know, machismo. I don't know. Like I felt cool. Right. Uh, as in like a slightly older guy now, I I don't care. Like I can still look at a woman and be like, she's beautiful, but not have the the yeah. desire to go do anything about it because that part of me has been reconciled. That like ego filling, need, ego's trying to gratify, ego gratifying need. Here we yeah. go. The, the weird analogy that's coming up for me, and this is like, this is very strange that this is the analogy that's arisen, but you think about like, going on safari for example like you like look at an elephant in a picture or you like you're like on a safari and you like look at a, an elephant and you go man those tusks are beautiful mm-hmm. and then there are some people in the world that go i want those tusks on my wall because mm-hmm. like you can't just appreciate it from a distance and feel whole from the appreciation from a distance Like, you can't just appreciate yeah. something's natural beauty for what it is you want to have it for yourself have ownership over it and it's mine because you know i yeah i have this and no one else does and yeah Because there's some emptiness and like having it on your wall is like continues to prove to you that you're able to have it. Same thing with like dating or sexual conquests for things like this is like it's not enough for me to just appreciate my desire and to appreciate the beauty of the other person. I have to have them Mm -hmm. so that I can prove to myself that I can, or I can prove to myself that I'm worthy of this type of bond or whatever it might be, you know? So I think that you can still have the attraction, but you don't, it's not driving your behaviors. Yeah. yeah and point.
1: I think that's the healthy, that's the, we strive for is to be able yeah. to get to that
0: point. <laughs> yeah. We strive for healthy, mature relationships. Um, yeah. And then the, the final thing that I wrote down actually kind of ties in with this, this concept you had talked about seeking. I mean, we had both been talking about this seeking from somebody, this thing that like would, f- like you, you wanted something within yourself. And so you would find it in the external, right? This is a very natural pattern being like, Oh, I want, you might not even consciously think that I want this quality or I want this thing, but you see it in the external in somebody else. And you feel that like, they're a lock to your key, so to speak, or vice versa, or they're like the other piece of your puzzle. And when you're with them, you know, we talk about this a lot in like mainstream, idea of romance and love is like, Oh, this, this person fulfills me. They complete me. They're my other half and blah, blah, blah. Right. But it's just like codependence. It's like, Oh, I, I can't, there's, there's some quality within me that my soul knows I am meant to grow into and develop within myself. Otherwise I wouldn't admire it in other people, obviously. Right. Neil's fucking snapping his fingers at me. He's going to go with this too. So yeah, Yeah. (laughs) he's like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't desire or admire a quality in somebody if you weren't meant to develop it within yourself. So when you have this other person around you and they fulfill that need or that feeling within you, what you're, what you're basically creating is a need to have that person around all the fucking time to feel like this is completing you. Cause as soon as they're out of the room, as soon as they're gone, as soon as they're at work or they're hanging out with their friends or they're, whatever. You feel incomplete and then you find yourself stumbling into codependent patterns. And that's why those breakups are so painful because you feel like you've lost a piece of yourself. You've like lost a piece of your soul. But when you learn how to cultivate those qualities within yourself, you come into relationship as two independent individuals sharing the gifts of your love with one another. And when that person leaves or you leave that person, it's still painful but you don't feel like your soul has been rended asunder because you know yourself is complete and you know, the other person is complete, you can have a very healthy uncoupling from that.
1: Yeah. And I think again, right. That's the ideal that we strive for. Um, but I'm going to talk on point two and three at the same time through, through the lens of my own story too, because right. Me, you know, just is just to further what you're saying. Um, my thing was neediness, and you know, kind of sticky codependency coming from that void of worth, right? From this place of lack of self worth. Well, the things I've come to understand about this lifetime for me, and you know, like soul plan, life goals, all these things, is a level of maturity and independence, and finding relationship through that lens. Whereas in the past, it's been. Codependent. It's been being a player. It's been all these things that were just placating this this inner need. And so, you know, to what you're saying on on this, when I asked you, um, do you think if that thing ever goes away, you know, we don't need that task, right? That's the ideal. I think we go to a higher expression of what that was, right? So for me, it would have been like, yeah, I wanted these a strong, independent woman who can take care of herself. And that was at that point coming from my own wounding. But at the end of the day, as I go through my own journey and my own story and heal and grow through the things I'm supposed to, there is a point where they're actually, you know, I I won't do well with a woman who is not that. I am supposed to have someone who is relatively independent, but at the higher expression of that, not from this place of wounding and lack and need. It's from just a genuine like that's what matches me and my energy and who I am and what will allow us to both grow together and also and be in the healthiest relationship and dynamic possible. But at the you end of that to. as well, like that's not everyone's story, right? There, there is, there are people who need to have like gross vomiting, like togetherness in their relationship. That's that's their end
0: game. That
1: what that's just not mine.
0: You have to become the independent woman yourself first, Neil, before yes. you can attract the independent woman in your life.
1: Independent woman, <laughs> is independent. Yeah, there we go.
0: That's when, uh, when you talked about that, that last part of elevating it to a higher level and then bringing that other person to your life because you couldn't have any less than that, so to speak, um, because it's what matches your energy. But it's, it's actually for some people, what I... I was thinking of is like, yeah, some people are supposed to be in those more codependent kind of like we complete each other type relationships because it's a mechanism to learn more about yourself, right? Right. Um, It's like the known knowns and the unknown unknowns kind of thing where it's like, oh, you attract this thing into your life that you're really drawn to that you at a certain point feel that you can't live without. And it's because it's actually supposed to show you something that was on the menu that you didn't know was on the menu within yourself. Um, And you might not get it in this lifetime. And that's why you complete your life with that relationship, but you'll get it eventually.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Each, each person has their own story. So like the things that we're saying, like it's about finding what that ideal for you is in this lifetime, right? Beyond the wounding. And mm-hmm. that could be very different than anything you and I are saying, or what you and I are saying as ideals right now. I think we're talking about ideals from like, you know, the most mature soul and the healthiest thing. Um, but, but that's not always what you need, And that's not practical, right? Yeah. Capital T versus lowercase T truth. It's it's what's the truth for you. Mm-hmm. But I think the core of
0: what we're saying is like, <laughs> we got to work on our shit and get to the healthier expression of, of what that is.
1: Whatever that ends up meaning for you.
0: Yeah, right. It's always about, doing the best you can do with the tools that you have and the time that you have them. You know, mm-hmm. it's like always just, I, I think of it. you say like big uppercase T versus lowercase T truth. I think of it like uh, being in like a math class and you're like looking at a graph that has a bunch of like squiggles on it. I mean, they're called basically it's like sine waves, but not quite. Um, and you have like relative minimums and relative maximums and then like yeah. absolute maximums mm-hmm. and absolute minimums. Right. So like within this little section of the graph, this is the maximum point. But like looking at the entire graph, it's not right. So it's that Mm -hmm. relative thing of like, yeah, we're all aspiring towards this thing, but you might not be there now. And to like try and emulate that would just be false because you would be emulating it from the wrong place rather than letting that thing come out of you. It's like what I think Buddha talks about like right action Mm -hmm. and right action arises out of right intention, which is like learn how to change what's happening and. Side of you first, and then allow the actions to arise spontaneously out of that place rather than emulating those actions and then blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, this is kind of like a philosophical. Conundrum, right? Because it's like, well, should you wait until you're a good person to do good things? No. But like, to try and do <laughs> doing good things makes you a good person. <laughs> yeah. But trying to be, but also trying to be Jesus when you're not is, mm-hmm. <laughs> is going to make you an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so you're just going to be a douchebag and everyone's going to be like, what a pretentious ass. Mm-hmm. Um, this, that reminds me though. Um, I listened to a podcast yesterday and it's run by a comedian mm-hmm. and he was interviewing Jason Siegel, the guy who was like in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And they, they like, got into not the spiritual conversation and the host of the podcast, like quoted Jesus basically saying like, let the weeds grow with the wheat. And he interpreted it in a, in a particular way. Like, and if you try and pull out the weeds, you're probably going to pull out some of the wheat as well. You're going to like reduce some of the good qualities of life by trying to remove some of your bad qualities. But the way that I saw it was that, the way that I interpreted immediately was that the weeds are no less valuable than the wheat. It's us who decide that these different qualities, or in this analogy, that these different plants have more value. Like, oh well, wheat has more value because I can make bread out of it, and blah 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 blah. But you might not even have the net the the prerequisite perspective to understand why the weed is so important. And we're seeing this, you know, in real life, right? In like monocropping, when we remove the weeds. Like we fuck up the soil because the weeds are actually, they've done studies, Mm -hmm. the weeds actually- Supports the ecology. Yeah. The weeds actually contain all of the nutrients in them that the soil lacks. So when Mm -hmm. the weeds die and they decompose naturally, they replace the diminished soil, right? So the same thing can be Mm -hmm. thought of with our own Mm inner qualities. The things that you deem as negative about you, like Neil would say, your greatest weaknesses are often your greatest strengths. Is that it's like you know? <laughs> is that these things that you perceive of as negative? Like if you tried to remove those things from yourself, you would be removing a, a tremendous amount of gift and uniqueness from yourself, right? So uh,
1: I uh, think about my north node. So we've talked about this. Like it's Capricorn. It's super like just father energy. Whereas my south node was the mother. It was just very feminine. It's the polar opposites of both ends. And one of the things I started to understand you know, a few years ago when I started to really focus on all these things like, oh yeah, I got to be super masculine. So I'm going to try to do all these things and just kept fucking running against the wall. It wasn't working. I couldn't (laughs) do any of those things. But when I focused on my feminine, then naturally my masculine would just deepen and just be, it would express on its own. But I had to honor this other side. It's the same thing, right? Like these things aren't, independent of each other they work together right? you need those weeds because they give nutrients to the grass they protect the grass from drying out all these other things same things with these all these other qualities in this so as much as we're talking about the things we strive for need to do like to what you're saying right action what's the right intention and action for me right now Sometimes it is striving. Sometimes it is doing. Sometimes it is being. Sometimes it is surrendering. Most of the time it's just being. (laughs) And things will kind of evolve on their own. But um, we all have our own phases. And allowing ourselves to understand that is an
0: honor that, despite what our minds may say, (laughs) is really damn important. Yep. It always goes back to the, your mind will probably fuck it up if you try and control it too much. So just Mm -hmm. let it be. You know, we've become those people who are like, there
1: is no answer. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you are the answer. There's 50 answers. There is no answer. No, just give me a fucking answer. No, there is none.
0: Guru, guru, guru. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. Actually, the the more like the the farther along this like journey that I think we've both gone, the less comfortable I feel giving people definitive answers about anything. Fully, unless I'm in the moment and I like have a knowing about it, and I'm like, yeah. This is it. But usually I feel more comfortable asking people. Nowadays, I feel more comfortable asking people questions mm-hmm. to help them uncover it on their own.
1: Yeah. Fully. I, I would rather ask them a question, and just give them a little spark to uncover and understand it more than anything else. And right. Like how much does it actually mean to be told something? How meaningful is that really for that person versus allowing them to understand it? Even on like a practical, like in therapy, that's 90% of what we're taught. <laughs> Don't, never tell anyone what to do, but you guide them into understanding and having the awareness themselves. That's the core of motivational interviewing, which is what basically every sort of people facing profession (laughs) is
0: taught to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Some people that, you know, the thing with like, to be able to tell somebody a piece of information, they have to be in an incredibly receptive state of trust. Uh, And that can be cultivated. Like you can learn how to become a more trustworthy person, which opens people up to your insight. Or you can be in relationship with a person for a long time and they can learn to trust what you have to say and to trust that you wouldn't say anything that you didn't feel was in their best interest and all that kind of stuff. Um, And that sometimes they can receive it right away. Sometimes it might take days or weeks or months. Um, or in the case of some of my friends, like I'll tell them something and then years later they'll they'll do it and they'll be like, Oh my god, I had this great thought. And then they'll say something almost verbatim of something that I said to them like two years before. I'm like, you motherfucker. Oh, that happened sure. so much. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> and then better Credit where uh, credits do motherfucker. <laughs> but the uh, exactly, exactly. Don't you know, don't plagiarize me. But the thing I was having a conversation with a with a friend the other day about this of like the ask the idea of asking questions that set a person on a path of reflection in the right direction right it would be like grabbing somebody by the shoulders turning them in a direction subtly and then giving them a, a subtle push mm-hmm. and it's, if they just walk in that direction eventually they'll end in the right spot um and negotiate the terrain of their own psychology and what this allows the person to do is like along the way of self reflection their psychology will naturally take the steps that are most natural for it right it will mm-hmm. be like peeling an onion layer by layer it's like oh well I could tell you what the the raw truth of this situation is, but not that might be it. like four <laughs> layers psychologically deeper than you're ready to go right now. Maybe you need to walk this path yourself and I'll let your own subconscious unfold those layers and the prerequisite steps that are required because you might not even be able to implement this piece of information until you've developed these three or four requisite skills. And the process of self-inquiry will give you the time to integrate all of those understandings leading up to this anyway. So.
1: Yeah. yeah. I am going to double down on that and bring attention. You're going to DSD any, on it. I'm DSD all over you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to the intuitives, to the more spiritual side, um, readers, whatever that's, that's a really important thing. Um especially the more you get tapped in and your own awareness grows. Sometimes we just get information that is not meant to be shared or meant to be used in a different way, not just told to that person. I There's, you know, you will just start understanding people more and more and more. And there's that dance of, I want to share it because it's kind of ego gratifying, right? Versus like, is this actually... Productive for this person to hear, and giving ourselves a pause to entertain that before sharing these bits of intuition, like um, are very important along the path as we grow more and more. So, just wanted to share that. That's a really big story. That's a really big
0: important thing that a lot of people miss. Absolutely, man. I was just having this conversation this week, yeah, yeah. about that. Of like, uh, one of our friends was saying, like, sometimes I'll receive information in a reading. That I'm not even supposed to give to them until like seven readings later. And like, I don't want somebody to have to get seven more readings from me, but sometimes that's what a person needs to like come to that, that conclusion. Mm -hmm. I feel like usually in the context of a reading, you're most of the time given what is meant to be, what is ready to be heard. Not all the time, but most of the time but in your day-to-day life when you're receiving yeah. intuitions about people, I think is the distinction that you're yeah. making of the like conversations
1: and little moments or like, Oh yeah, I get this. And like, Hey, you're, you're fucked up in this way. I'm like
0: yeah, just, what? <laughs> whoa, what, whoa, whoa, what? yeah, <laughs> Dropping a bomb on somebody over coffee or something like that. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I do like doing with this, you know, with this insight is validating people's emotions mm-hmm. saying like, man, you know, I could, I could talk like, I, I hear you. That sounds that sounds really painful. I could see how you might be like thinking or feeling this, this or that, and that might make you feel this way or blah, blah, blah. And then we'll go like, that is exactly what I've been feeling, or that is exactly what I've been thinking. And it makes a person feel seen and heard and and felt in a place of need. Uh, And then something that I'll also do is like, either tell a story about somebody else who went through a similar problem, uh, or I'll make it about me where it'll be like, like, oh, yeah, like I was just talking to a friend about this the other day, and basically, what we were talking about was like this, 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 and that, and what they were saying to me was that they were struggling with blah, blah, blah. And what they ended up meeting was this. Isn't that crazy? for
1: ninety percent of what I do nowadays. I'm like, oh, you know, I kind of to do something similar. That's why like on
0: this podcast, all I ever do is just share my own stories at this point. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, man, you know I was <laughs> I, I, I can totally I can totally empathize with that because I had this thing go on, and here's what here's where I fucked up. Here's what I kept thinking. And here's the wall that I kept running into. And what helped me out was this realization. And it's like, yeah, man, I, I was exact. The only reason I can give you advice on this is because I fucked this up too. And I don't want to watch you continue to fuck it up the way that I did. So here you go.
1: I'm going to throw in a little, actually like tool practical, you know, from the utility therapist, utility belt right now, actually. Um, we talked about sometimes where people just aren't in the place where they're like willing to hear that because you kind of mm-hmm. have to be in level of surrender or just like trust have some trust with that person. Um I will gen then just ask like you know, I don't want to do something similar. Um, do you want to hear about it? Before I just say, like, oh yeah, I this this is this, this. And then mm-hmm. that just opens mm-hmm. them up so much more. They're so much more receptive. So yeah. FYI for anyone
0: out there. Look at you. Emotional consent is a fucking big thing. Big fan, big fan, (laughs) big fan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we've talked about this, like in woke wasted was that like the idea of like not dumping on your partner or like dumping on your friend instead of just walking into the room and being like, and then just like laying your shit down on them being like, Hey, I'm kind of a tough time right now. Do you have some space to talk about it first? And they're like, yeah, or no, I'm finishing up something right now. Like, Give me five minutes or whatever. Give me ten minutes or whatever, and then like you still can dump all your shit, but now they're ready for it, and <laughs> they don't mm-hmm. feel like you're just using them. Like you're respecting their time and
1: yeah. their energy. And yeah, don't be afraid to also ask for and say that and verbalize your own boundaries and your place and where you're at. No, I just totally. have
0: space for it right now. Like I'm, I'm sorry, it's not about you, but totally. Yeah, um, I mean, I know I have I have a couple of friends and. S- Like I'm thinking of two friends in particular, one of them will text me before calling me and go like, Mm -hmm. Hey, like I'm really going through something right now. Do you have some space for a call today? And then the other person will just call me. It might not even be anything bad, right? Like they might just call me to talk and like, you know just like, Hey, how's your day going? And it's like, dude, I don't have time to just like have a conversation <laughs> Bullshit, at one yeah. in the afternoon about how my day is going, you know? And like the, the level of agitation I get when somebody just cold calls me versus when somebody texts me first and I was like, Hey, I was thinking about giving you a call about something. You have some time, right? <laughs> like it, it, it's a lot more respectful.
1: Yeah. How funny is that? Just, I'm just thinking about like the evolution of just like human interaction and like phones to cell phones to everything mm-hmm. like before like you could just you know you'd have to be pretty intentional about your landline and talking to people and doing that whole thing and answering or not answering whereas like it's just so simple and mindless now or you can kind of call someone and just like take up their day <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. people are we're so much more accessible now like if i had a mm-hmm. landline and no cell phone it'd me one thing it'd be like call me yeah and yeah. like Hopefully I'll catch you, but if you like, if you know I have my phone on me all the goddamn time, then like respect respect that. Like and respect then some my people
1: time. People will get bitter if you don't answer or you don't whatever because they're so used to it being so accessible.
0: That. So I know that last week you and I were talking about this. Like I was I was renegotiating some boundaries in one of my relationships, mm-hmm. um, but I I actually didn't tell you that there was another relationship that very same week that I had to do something similar with. Where like, um. A friend who knows that I'm like into exercise science and into like musculoskeletal physiology and blah 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 asked me about like their dad. I was like, "Hey, he's been having I forgot even what the problem. I can't remember what the the actual problem was. Was like he's having I think it was like it's called trochanteric bursitis or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what should he do? And I was like, okay. So like I was like at work, but I was kind of in between things, so I like. I read a paper, like I pulled up a fucking review article that was peer reviewed and I read it, but I didn't have time to text this person about it. So I like went back to work. I continued to do my work. And then I had worked like a 12 or 13 hour day. So I went home and made myself some dinner and talked to my girlfriend and then like Mm -hmm. went to bed. Like I had only time for that. And I was getting ready to go to bed. And this person just like bumped my my phone at like eleven thirty 30 at night and just said like mm. like hello check back in and i'm the kind of friend who goes like when i receive i've received from multiple friends before one word text messages at night which actually means i'm in crisis like i've had friends where like they'll send me one message mm-hmm. and i'll be like are you okay and they're like no i'm like gonna fucking kill myself or something like that you know it'll mm-hmm. be like okay so when i see that i think the worst thing and I, my body immediately goes into fight or flight of like okay, I'm here for you. Now I have to yeah, save you. So like, yeah. I, I had a feeling that it was not going to be anything important, but I was like, I am not, I'm not the kind of person who's going to just sit on this either. Mm-hmm. And then like, wake up the next day and hear that my friend ended up going to a fucking psych hospital or something like that. Mm-hmm. Not that I think that this person would, but, um, but I just had to be sure. Right. Right. Crazy things happen. So I texted them and they're like, Oh no, I was just bumping the message from earlier. I'm like, <laughs> I have to be up at five 30 in the morning it's eleven thirty at night. I have to be up Uh-oh. at five thirty in the morning. I read about this already. Your father, on average, if your father is an average patient with this thing, means that he's been experiencing this pain for somewhere between seven weeks and four months or in four years. He can wait until tomorrow morning for me to text you back because he's not awake right now. So, me giving you this information at night is not going to help. I'm the kind of friend. What I said was like I'm the kind of friend who will wake up in the middle of the night to be here for you. Please, like, please know that and please respect that. Like, don't, don't wake me up over something that's like not important, you know? Um, So having to like reset that boundary, like I'm usually a very available person, Mm -hmm. but as my time gets less and less, it's like, you need to be aware that I'm not always available for bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. It's... (laughs) So funny that that came up twice last week. You know, on the other thing, and too, this is one of the things we talked about a lot. And when I was in school to be a therapist, and we, you and I, have talked about this too, is like just being the doctor in in the in like the social group or amongst the family because everyone will come to you for everything anytime we go anywhere, and it's just going to happen. But on the other end of this framework is like you know the the, this conversation we're having right now is probably worth like you know three four hundred dollars for the, these five minutes. So please respect my time and like respect me accordingly.
0: But, uh, and, and respect that I'm not at work right yeah, now. And I'm not at work <laughs> that I, I work space. a lot <laughs> and that I'm not at work right now. Yeah. yeah but. I do, and that's, that to be said, I don't mind helping people if they're respectful about it. Right. Yeah. You know, if I had a, if I had a family member texting me at fucking midnight, asking me a question, it's like, you couldn't ask me about your knee pain. In the morning, like is your is your are you doing something so that's like active? a real thing too? <laughs> it's like are you doing something so active in the middle of the night that you oh. really need me that bad? Especially something you've been experiencing for several months, like it's bothering you that bad. You should have just gone to a doctor at this point. You know, yeah. um, it's that kind of thing. What I will say though,
1: because you know me, I've had to learn boundaries and to protect my not protect, but really honor my energetic needs. So often, um, I realize that me doing that also isn't understood by everyone. So they're just like, yo, like, why haven't I heard from you? So I have mm-hmm. to consciously remind myself of this all the time of like, okay, you have to also just like state it to them. Like, yeah, I can't respond right now. I'll get back to you maybe tomorrow or like in a few hours or in a few days and not just cold, leave it blank because then people just think I'm an asshole, which has happened.
0: to yeah. So yeah, that can definitely happen. I mean, and to be fair, I had thought about I I do that a lot of the time where I'd be like, hey, I've seen this, I want you to know that I'm gonna get back to it. I just don't yeah. have time right now. I'll do but that. suppose you generally don't have time and you just some, can't respond. Because I had thought of doing that. So I had thought like <laughs> of I thought of texting this person, hey, I read a paper on this, I'm gonna text you when I get the chance. Yeah. And I didn't have time to do that. <laughs> so yeah, you know, yeah. You operate in a whole another world. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: so yeah. But anyways. Um Taking it back to the subject your, Is there anything else that you would like to speak to or that was on your mind about?
0: Yeah, actually the the one thing that I had wanted to bring up, like with this topic, um, we ended up going off on like mm-hmm. a totally different area, but like the idea of and I'll keep it brief, but the idea of being too much versus being not enough, mm-hmm. they're two sides of the exact same coin, mm-hmm. and it's a matter of perspective, right? So mm-hmm. you could Depending on the type of self-esteem you have, you could either go like, um, I'm not spontaneous enough, right? Like I I don't, I'm not spontaneous enough for my partner or for my friend or for my friend group or to be cool or whatever, right? On the other hand, you could all, you could be like, I'm too boring. And it's the same thing. Exactly what I was thinking about myself. I'm like, oh, this is me. Oh, it's the boring thing. And then you said it. So. Yeah, it's, so it's like one thing is like, I'm too, I'm not enough or I'm too much. And I think part of this, I was reflecting on it this morning, is the way that you perceive other people's responses to your quality. Or like, you know, and obviously it's usually read into too much and it's usually fabricated. But if you feel like people are recoiling away from this quality within you, then you'll probably tend to think that you're too much of something. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm too boring. And people are like trying to you know, end our hangouts early so that they can go do something more fun versus like, oh, I'm not enough of something, which means that I perceive people as longing for more from me, right? Like, oh, I'm not spontaneous enough. Like this person is like, I can feel them aching for more spontaneity from me rather than trying to find it somewhere else, right? One is causing people to lean in or like to feel empty in some way. And the other is causing people to feel overwhelmed in some way, even if it's the same quality, right? Right. And so it's just like the way that we think about it. I'm just like
1: thinking about myself and processing now.
0: So I don't have anything (laughs) verbal to share after
1: that, but thank you for bringing that up because now I'm thinking about a lot of things. So (laughs) exactly what we were talking about, right? Like, yeah, just share something, share your own experience, ask a question and let people come into their own awareness. Here I am going through that process.
0: Now, I mean, now I'm thinking about it more too. And I'm thinking like, well, which one of those narratives is act- actually serves you? Because, you know, feeling like you're too much or feeling like you're not enough, neither of those is like really the most aligned thing. But right. in a case like this, where you go like, oh, I'm too boring. That's not really serving you because you're just like naming a quality mm-hmm. and saying, that like, but you're fundamentally too much of something versus being like, oh, I'm not spontaneous enough. Well, that's changeable being like, oh, okay, well, what areas of my life can I, can I bring some spontaneity to? you know, probably not my work. Right. But sure. Right. I could be a little bit, I could take a day trip on the weekend and be a little bit more spontaneous or whatever. Right. You know? Yeah. I think what's actionable
1: looking at like two different pieces of this, right. You can look at like, okay, so what's the higher elevation of this? Like, what is this thing actually? Oh, I'm just really intelligent or I'm very like highly structured or whatever you can, have that understanding of it and begin to shift things that way. But as well as like, okay, so how do I actually then begin to address this? Mm -hmm. Like, okay. Right. Spontaneity. Then how can I bring some of that into my life? How can I let loose of this boringness and, you know, begin to honor the other side, but also honoring this piece as like, not a bad thing, but there is room for more. There is room for growth.
0: Yeah. (laughs) The, the way that this arose in my life, um, if you want to hear about it, this <laughs> is <says> the, um, <laughs> to bring it back, <laughs> uh, is, uh, oh. I was, you know, I was dating somebody in college who loved to go to music festivals and to like go on these like week long trips with, with her friends. Um, and they would like be, you know, like burning man or fucking crazy things like that going out and camping for a week and like partying and raving and all that crazy stuff. And I was studying my fucking ass off trying to get into medical school. And I kept thinking to myself, like, I'm too fucking boring. Like I, this person is going to get so bored with me. They're going to be at this thing and they're going to, they're going to have this moment where they they, they realize how free they feel in this moment. And all it's going to take is one moment for them to just be completely out of our relationship. And either you know leave or you know find somebody else or whatever it might be, right? Uh, and as I've grown and like moved away from that insecurity, what I've come to like the narrative has shifted entirely. And it goes like, I'm somebody who is really loyal and committed to my duty. Like I I, I have a purpose in in this life, and I feel really committed to it, and that comes above a lot of the things in my life. Um, and so any perceived lack of spontaneity or overwhelm of, of being boring or whatever is actually just like a quality that is one of my strengths that is helping me build a life of meaning. Right. So um, there's usually a silver lining.
1: And, you know, we were, we were talking about baby Zach at that point, but like the nice thing is, you know, we honor that as a strength, the right person will do the same, right? Like you really owning that stepping into it with that, person for you whenever that person is in your life that's going to be the thing that draws them toward you and keeps them rather than being what your own fear says like oh this is going to push them away
0: yeah and that starts with the way that you perceive it in yourself
1: mm-hmm. yeah that was really cool you're really cool i think i am really cool not just boring i'm really fucking cool <laughs> but yeah well that was a really fun episode i thank any and everyone listening if this was helpful for you. I also ask that you just share this with somebody. If that's too much, you can also just leave us a review because that would be really greatly appreciated and we love you so much. Mm. Kisses! (laughs) I'm making out with you